This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much. <laughs> How are you? The sticker is not under your chair, but you know the drill. You should go around looking for it before you sit down. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Fatima Zaidi. I'm the founder and CEO of Quail. We're an award-winning podcast production agency. We also own Co-Host, which is a hosting product analytics tool for brands and agencies. We are sponsoring the growth track here at Podcast Movement. Uh, today's session is all about motivation while podcasting. We always say podcasting is a marathon, not a sprint, but we've all been in situations where we've experienced burnout. And so that is what this entire session is about, how to keep the momentum going. Uh, we've put together some of our favorite speakers for this session. You'll be hearing from Ariel Masonblatt, who is the uh, founder of the Pod Earbud Podcast Collective and the community manager of Squadcast. Uh, Michael Diola. Dialoya. <laughs> he literally told me three times, and I still but butchered it, but um, I'll blame the Italian name. Uh, he's the CEO of Evergreen Podcast. We have Jordan Harbinger, the Jordan Harbinger, host of the Horton, Jordan Harbinger Show, and the session will be moderated by uh, Albin Brook, who is the head of marketing at Buzzsprout. Uh, a big thank you to our prizing sponsors for today's session. Uh, at random, we will be picking a winner in the audience who will receive a one-year subscription to um, Hindenburg Pro, which is an audio editing tool for your podcast. We'll announce it at the end. Uh, but for now, I'm going to welcome our panelists on stage and hand it over to Albin. All right. Thank you, everyone, so much for being here. Uh, can we get a round of applause for Quill yeah. and co-host? So there's 2.9 million publicly available podcasts in the world, but only 18% of these podcasts are what we consider active. They've actually produced an episode and released it in 2022. So um, when new podcasters release, uh, start their shows, we know that most of them don't even make it to the seventh episode. And the most common number of episodes for them to ever release is exactly one. And so this led to the um, coined into the phrase uh, pod fade, which is people fading away from their podcast. They start it, and then they don't continue it. So that's what this session is all about. Uh, we're all here to talk about how do you keep motivation while you're podcasting. So just a first question for the whole panel. How do you prevent pod fade as a new podcaster? Less than six episodes is okay if you've planned to have five episodes, I think. So um, you prevent by planning. You prevent by actually writing out a schedule for yourself and what your goals are. And I really think all of Podfade can be prevented by um, audience first creating. So thinking about who your audience is before you make your show and then asking that potential audience or a lookalike audience what they want to hear, what kind of episodes do they want to hear? Do they want you to have a co-host? Do they want a segment where they can pop in and give their own take on the matter? So involving, the, involving your audience in the process, in the creation process, I think is super important because it'll give you a reason to continue. 
Great. Well, you know, at Evergreen, we've got three types of podcasts. Original podcasts, we control the fade, right? Because there's a point in time we may not want to do that podcast anymore. The branded, that's contractual, right? Eight podcasts, 10, 12. The partner podcast, which is really how we've steadily grown over the last three or four years, is a lot more challenging because you have no control over their production cadence or cycle outside of saying it in the contract, this is what we'd like to have. So we've built a whole account management team, which is they're inspired to make sure that those hosts have a point of contact, they're motivated, we're always sending out newsletters and reports about what they're doing to try and measure them up against others. I can't say it's scientifically 100% great all the time, but at least we're getting some interaction with those partners to keep that, that pod fade from happening. Awesome. Yeah, we want to come back to brands in particular a little bit later. Jordan, do you have um, any more thoughts as a podcaster yourself? Yeah, I think a lot of people take podcasting too seriously, which is, I know, a little rich coming from somebody who's been doing it for 15 years. But it's really easy to quit something if you expect, if you're, if you're not managing your own expectations. If you think, okay, I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to start making money with it, and then quit my job, and then five episodes in, you're like, this is a ton of work and I'm nowhere near getting a sponsor for this. I don't want to do this anymore because the roadmap is just too far out in the future. I'm like, it's a hobby, chill out. You know, you're doing this in your underwear or with your friends in a garage while you're drinking beer. It doesn't really matter. Just, it's a hobby, stop taking it so seriously. Nobody quits building model trains and they're like, ugh, this is such a ton of work, I hate doing this. So just treat it like the hobby that it is until it's not. And I think I was lucky because in the beginning of doing my show, there was no such thing as podcast analytics. So I had no idea how many people listened. It was impossible to get discouraged because I was talking into a black hole. And that was actually kind of a blessing. Because if I'd known that absolutely nobody was probably downloading it, I might have given up. But I just did it for myself. And it was just a fun hobby until it turned into a business. All right, we're going to have to talk about model train fade yeah. in a little bit. But... <laughs> Ariel, one of the things you said was it's okay to have less than six episodes. Can we talk a little bit about when, we're talking a lot about when you shouldn't quit, but actually are there any times where it is okay for it to be a little bit less? I love quitting. Oh, I love quitting. Um, I also think there's a business in helping podcasters sunset their podcast, so that's a free idea. Um, I just think like a lot of people go on for too long or don't know how to say goodbye to their shows. Yes, I definitely think it's okay to quit. I'm really struggling with the echo here, but anyway, um, just let me know if you can't hear me for some reason. So I had a podcast during the pandemic. Um, the pandemic is still happening. Early days of the pandemic called Counter Programming. And the idea behind it was that it hosted on Buzzsprout. The idea behind it was that it was counter to all of the grim COVID-19 news. That was the tagline. And each episode focused on a different type of count or counter. So anything with the word count or counter was fair game. We did episodes on countertops. We debated the benefits and disadvantages of marble, steel, granite, and wood. And then we went on to count Chocula and count Dracula. And we even did a whole thing on why your vote counts. It was really fun and we got featured on Apple's New and Noteworthy. For some reason, we have not had an episode in a year and a half. We still get like 200 downloads a week. So we don't know where those are coming from. Like Yemen loves us on Chartable. We find out that Yemen loves us and it might be anti-Semitic, but we're not gonna think about it right now. Anyway, we said goodbye to that podcast. Yeah, I'll explain that later. We said goodbye to that podcast. We stopped putting it out in June of last year, June of 2021. And 
that is okay. And we made a whole episode about why we were stopping the show, um, how we thought that it was only going to be a two-week show at the beginning of the pandemic because we it was just going to be during the lockdown, right? But then the lockdown continued. And we just really communicated with our listeners our intentions. And we kept our social media active. We, every once in a while, would pop in with a feed drop on the feed. Um, if we're interviewed on another show about our show, we'll put that on the feed. So there's ways to keep it alive while still, for all intents and purposes, saying goodbye to a show. Michael, do you have any input about when a brand should consider sunsetting a show? Well, for economic reasons, no, you know, because obviously we want that to continue in terms of contracts for us. But we have had this happen, uh, we, and, and mostly from macro events outside of our control. When uh, the recession hit last time, right, we had a, a large lighting manufacturer who was using a show, low volume, 150, 200 downloads, using it for sales. They would get a couple leads. Leads would be in the seven figures. So putting $2,000 into a podcast wasn't that big of a deal for the return. However, when the recession hit and retail just pulled back, their whole business model as a company had radically changed and their management changed. At that point, they're just like, we're done. Yeah. So on the branded side, it's typically either the end of the contract and they're finished or there's been a change or a macro event that we have no control over. All right, so we've mentioned two different macro events. We've talked about COVID, pandemic, and also recessions. I think the last few years, we've started talking much more about burnout and mental health. How do you see this relating, especially with these macro events? How do we, how does this relate to podcasting, like uh, experiencing burnout? How do you see that manifesting in podcasting? And is there anything we can do about it? That's a Deep philosophical question, man. Uh, you specifically asked for the uh, the harder ones. <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, you know on the on the branded side, it's we're seeing more and more of the branded come in. So I think on that side, I think they've gotten over the COVID and the recession, and they're really starting to sunset more investment into communications out. On the partner side, and certainly for our own internal, I think. This is an issue that we've struggled with and we probably haven't given enough attention to is what is the mindset of that individual doing the show and how can we help them, even if they took a break, like, you know, you, you seem stressed, let's just take two or three months off, regroup and redo the show at some point in time. I wish I had a more fluid answer. It's something that we are constantly being, you know, connected with uh, at, and try to find a solution for. I think you could do, you could switch from weekly to seasonal. You know, if you need a break, you don't have to say, like, I'm taking a break. You can just say, we're switching to seasonal. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. Again, I think it comes down to taking your show a little bit too seriously some of the time. I think your listeners may miss you, but if you're overthinking it and you feel like you're letting people down, then you're more, probably more likely to quit than to take a break because you feel guilt associated with it. I'm definitely not great at like self-care or taking vacations or anything like that. Um, and yeah, so I, I don't really know how to dial it back, but I think if I had to, I would switch my workflow around and go seasonal, but I don't plan on doing that myself. But if I were burning out uh, from, from my show, which is one of the only things that keeps me sane right now with two little kids, then I would definitely do it that way. It depends who you are and who you're beholden to also. You know, if you have a contract with, you know, with somebody and you have ad partners that you need to please and put out episodes so that you can run ads, 
you might be locked into something and you're going to have to renegotiate that for the future. But if you are a hobby podcaster, and yes, you're hoping to grow your show, and you've heard consistency is super important, you know what's more important is you not burning out. So yeah, so I think a big part of that is just communicating, over-communicating with your audience. Like, like I said before, when I sunset my podcast, we let people know leading up to the last episode that the last episode was coming. And when the last episode came, we let people know very clearly that this was the last episode. We echoed that on social media. Um, and every time we put a new episode into the feed, we make sure to say, we are not actually back. Here is a preview, or here's just a quick episode. Here's where we're at right now. So, I mean, I think always err on the side of over-communication. One of the ways a lot of people experience burnout with their podcasts or lose motivation is when the numbers don't line up with your expectations. Um, you know, Jordan, you even said yourself, not having those numbers might have actually been a positive for you in the beginning. So when those numbers aren't there um, or they're not growing as quickly as you want, how can you push through those moments um, maybe to actually start growing the podcast over time? I think... You really have to be realistic about that. I don't want to discourage anybody, but it, at like real talk, for most of us, it's a hobby and not a job. And it would be great if we could monetize our hobbies, but at the same time, I can tell you from experience that you usually end up turning your hobby into a job if you monetize it, whether it's a full-time job or not. So I, I, I discourage people from doing that because it's a really good way to ruin something that you love. And if you're going to do that, it better be for a pile of cash and not like... 50 bucks a week. And I think a lot of podcasters make the mistake of turning something they love that has no pressure behind it, getting a bunch of sponsors and going, oh, now I have to do this every week and then resenting it. And all they have is a couple thousand bucks at the end of the year to show for it. And I don't think that's worth ruining a hobby that you really enjoy. So taking the pressure off yourself by not biting off more than you can chew by getting some sort of annual sponsor deal that you now have to fulfill is a good way to do it. I'd rather not make that money than ruin my outlet of creativity and, and fun. And I think it's a real, it's really easy to steal your, to ruin your own joy, ruin your own hobby by trying to do that. And I think a lot of people also will look at other folks that are making a living in podcasting and be like, I want to do that because they only see the fun parts of the job, just like you do with, with any, any musician or anything like that. And so it's really easy to destroy something that should really be a refuge from your actual working life. I also think marketing needs to be built into every aspect of your production journey, and that will help you a lot when it comes to your numbers. And if you build marketing into the actual show, so like I mentioned before, maybe having a segment on your show where your guests can call in or leave a voice note and then you can weave that into your show, that makes your show hopefully reach somebody else because the person who's being featured wants to share with their friend so thinking about how you can maximize the reach of your show by way of your audience and other marketing tactics that you can take into account from the beginning. A lot of people plan out the content of their seasons. Maybe they'll write out the 12 episodes, the next 12 episodes, they'll think about the next 12 guests, but they won't think about the marketing plan for those 12 episodes. So think about that as you are planning, as you're doing all of this, I think you'll be a lot happier. Just real quickly, you know, the, the journey of the podcaster is just an amazing uh, journey in storytelling for me. I, I'm not a podcaster by trade. I kind of, I was asked to take over this company and sort of grow it. But I would say that 
we, we try to create an environment internally at, at Evergreen where it's like a 1960s jazz record label. Like, we want you to produce and find and discover the studio and find that pattern for you. It, that, that's the important thing is find your own cadence in which to get some comfort level with how you're going to continue and motivate yourself for the, for the podcast. That's awesome. What motivations are there? So obviously the numbers is one of them. The money is one. So maybe the money's not there yet, or the numbers may not be there because maybe marketing wasn't built in. What other motivations can people lean on in those moments where they're going, those things haven't happened yet and not really sure if they will happen? First of all, networking and meeting new people. Look, I read books and talk to smart people every day. That's pretty damn cool. I can read a book that I want to read and then take notes on the margin and then I get to call the author and chat with them about their book and they kind of, they have to be polite, they have to sit through my questions, they have to act like those are intelligent questions. It's great, it's a pretty good deal. And then at the end of it I get paid. But I don't really even think about the fact like, I'm lucky to have made a living doing this, but the money really isn't the motivation because it's really hard to stay motivated just financially, I think, uh, at a certain level. But being able to sit down with somebody who's really, really intelligent and talk about their work is a really cool gig. And I think you don't have to be doing that. With I, When I started to book celebrity guests, I was like, yes, this is great. And then I realized, eh, I don't really care about these as much as I care about just talking with a smart author. So you don't have to get to some brass ring where you're booking famous people to enjoy it. I think you could literally talk to anybody that you're interested in. And that's the... That, that's the whole joy of podcasting. And of course, you're in this position where you're kind of in charge of that interaction. So you get to make connections with people. You get to share that knowledge with your audience who's then thankful to you. I mean, that whole thing is extremely rewarding and none of it has anything to do with money. I have another podcast that um, is always on and I have zero exit plan. I will do it till the day I die, which will hopefully be a very, very long time from now. I'm down though because I love podcasts, but... What's important about it is that it is not my main gig. I run a podcast recommendation newsletter called Earbuds Podcast Collective that you can get at earbuds.audio. And the newsletter is the main thing. That's what I want to grow. I do have a podcast that goes alongside it. That goes out every Tuesday. It talks about the podcast that I'm recommending in the newsletter. It has a voice clip from that week's curator. But that's me practicing the medium of podcasting. That's me, you know, testing out new tech. That's me using Buzzsprout to host. That's me, you know, doing a lot of things that just keep me knowing what's going on in the podcast space, what pain points the average creator has. So that's my motivation for continuing to podcast, even though it gets 500 downloads an episode. I don't care. And people are like, are you looking to grow that? Like, I can help you grow that. And I'm like, no, I, I want to grow the newsletter. Subscribe to the newsletter. Thank you. <laughs> Pay those bills, Ariel. <laughs> Build marketing into every piece of yes, your podcast. Your preach, uh, practice what you preach. <laughs> Michael, um, brands have very different expectations for podcasts, especially when they're launching them. How do you set those expectations when you're working with a brand client? That's uh, in the early days, you know, we fumbled over this issue quite a bit, and I'm glad we've sort of evolved since that point in time. The kickoff meeting when we, we sign a brand is w what what is the end result of what you're looking for? Are you defining yourself as a thought leader in a marketplace? Are you looking at a return on this? Meaning this has become a lead generation tool for you. And once that's met and sort of met it out, then we start talking about cadence, the format of the show. We really want a crisp 
production delivered out to their particular target audience. But that first meeting, it's, it's a couple hours of really refining who their demo really is before we even begin the format discussion and the cadence discussion. I need to know how we can deliver all the marketing tools and everything else to get you to where you need to be. If there's somebody internal at an organization um, who is championing a podcast, what should we do to empower them? Like when they want to say, this is what we should do, what are the reasonable expectations? Yeah, so in a lot of early discussions, they're talking about how can we get to be a top 10 podcast and whatever that category may be, and that, that's probably not going to happen. And we gotta come down and reset to a more reasonable expectation. You know, they, they all think they're gonna be, you know, Joe Rogan, and it's just an anomaly. These things are very rare. Or Jordan, they're just, these are really unique circumstances. As I mentioned for that lighting retailer, to have those 200 leads, to, you know, or 200 downloads, six, seven leads is great. But for a pet desk, it's like we just want to hit veterinarians about our particular software and how the software can solve problems for them. So we're talking about the problems of the vet office. It's not a big audience. You know, it's just not a cat. It's not going to be a general interest type of thing. So, yeah, we really focus on demo and your end result of how you want to do it. For the champion, this is the key problem we've had with the champions. They typically leave. On the marketing side, that, that particular career is a short shelf life, right? So we're constantly being reintroduced to a director of marketing 12 to 18 months, right? And some of them may want to do the show. Some of them may, may not. Their bosses may have a, a different set of interests. So you're really playing, you're, you're crawling cats on the branded side quite a bit to keep them motivated. Especially with the... Pet podcast? It's particularly with the Joe Rogan, podcast. but for hamsters. <laughs> All right, so you kind of touched on something for a second that brands face, which is this issue of the, the host or the face of the podcast, the voice of the podcast, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then Ariel and Jordan both being the host of your own shows and your own newsletters. Like, how do you manage that when you may not actually be the person who is speaking every time? and there's this turnover, um, how do you manage that? How do I? I or any of us? I, I mean, a brand or, <laughs> let me, let me uh, rephrase this. Listen, we always so, say to a branded podcast, you gotta have a singular voice. Someone's gotta be uh, the host. And it, generally we pick from inside the company. But again, those things can change and that, that shift of a host is a, it's a big deal to the listenership, whether the brand wants to think so or not. A lot of them think, oh, it's our podcast, they're listening because of us, and I don't think that that's necessarily fully true. So yeah, it's, that's, it's a hurdle. Can't say we've got the best solution. We just try and find the next best host that can carry that show. There's a show from Afar Media, which is a travel network, that it's called Travel Tales. And in season one, every episode was hosted by a different person with an announcer voice uh, opening up the show and closing the show. And the, every episode was a different travel story that was written but then adapted for audio. And I thought that was a really interesting way to do different hosts and for a far media to show off the different writers within its orbit um, while still maintaining one voice at the, at the front and the back of the show to introduce and to you know, give any announcements that were necessary. 
Um, what it does not do is endear you to anybody in particular at Afar Media. It just endears you to general Afar Media. That's a great point. Um, so, Jordan, you've been podcasting for 15 years. There's, I imagine have been some highs and some lows, some moments with massive motivation, you're very excited, and moments where the excitement maybe has waned for a little bit. How do you, I mean, if those moments have existed, how do you push through those? Uh, what has your experience been? I, honestly, I don't find it to be that up and down. I mean, I get tired, you know, I need a vacation here and there, but I don't think like, oh, should I, <laughs> should I quit podcasting? Because I'm not good at anything else. So it's been a pretty easy <laughs> choice to stick with it for a long time. I, I really don't have that sort of demotivation when I, when I look at it because I'm not necessarily looking at the metrics all the time. And I think, you know what, actually, I take it back. When I started to get obsessed with my metrics years ago, that was when a day would be good if I had more and the next day would be bad because it looked like a downward trend. And I stopped, I cut that crap out pretty quick because it's, again, it's like a thief of your joy. So I think people can look at what they do as a, as a hobby. Maybe they monetize that hobby, but once you start putting that pressure on yourself, that's an easy way to, to screw things up. So I think one of the reasons for the longevity in the space, besides my obvious lack of talent for other things, is really the fact that I don't take it too seriously. It's a business, it's a professional thing, but I'm not, try I'm not disappointed because I'm not Joe Rogan, or I'm not disappointed because another show that started later is doing better in the charts. I just don't worry about that stuff. Awesome. Ariel or Michael, how about you? Like when these moments do come, the, you are a little bit demotivated. What can brands or podcasts do to push through those moments? I have such a pick-me answer. I have thankfully never faced burnout or lack of motivation, which is why I'm on this panel, how to stay motivated. Um, I don't know. If I, if I ever personally don't feel motivated, um, I listen to podcasts because that's how I started in this space. I just genuinely... I first loved podcasts as a listener, and I think a lot of it is just a love of the medium. So if I'm ever, uh, you know, if I ever don't have motivation, I go on what I just call a podcast walk. No destination, just walk and listen to a ton of podcasts. Because number one, I'm listening to shows, I'm figuring out what's going on in the industry, uh, you know, noticing trends in advertising and things like that. But I'm also listening to people who are really good at this, and that motivates me to want to do it again and try it again. So pick me. <laughs> I will not. I just, for a second, I'd like to put the brand to the side and talk about from a network perspective. You know, we've got 185 shows on four different networks. And so the motivation for us is to keep those shows and that cadence going for as long as possible. When someone joins Evergreen, we, our deal is you handle the production because that's something you love and that you're really good at. We'll, we'll take care of everything else. We'll get you... Uh, on other shows as a host. We'll do the placements, we'll do the ad buys, we'll do cross promos, the PR, we'll do the social media kits. We want that person to be as free as possible to build the best show that they possibly can. Of course, we have an economic interest. We want them to do um, great in that show. We want the numbers to grow. We're building channels around genres. We might have 12 or 14 shows in history and we're selling that full channel. So. Again, we built this whole account management team and content and creative services that that individual 
show that that host can come to us with any problem, and we were going to solve it for him. We're the Jerry Maguires for the shows on our network. We want them happy. We want them uh, excited and motivated. We've even started uh, putting them in, in, in award categories at, at our expense. And that thing of, if you look at our Instagram, it's mostly our hosts holding trophies. Mm -hmm. Up. And it's a little thing, but it means the world to them. And, and it means a lot to us, too, that we were able to give this thing to them, that they produced a show that was so fantastic that someone thought it was merit, you know, this was worth that merit. So there's a lot of factors at the network level that make us want to motivate the host to keep that cadence going for, obviously, the economic interest in our growth. Can I add something that's yeah. not just, like, why I love podcasts so much? <laughs> um, I think a mistake that a lot of podcasters make when they're first starting to make podcasts or, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to have a podcast with my friend or I'm going to have a podcast for my business is that they don't plug into the larger podcast space. I think it's so important to know what other shows are out there, both in your area so that you can collaborate with them, but also so that you can deviate from them so that you can make sure you're diverging, you know, but mostly for collaboration. So I think a really great way to plug into the podcast space, and I, this is, I promise not a plug for my newsletter, but newsletters in general. You should be subscribed to all of the podcast newsletters, both recommendation newsletters and industry newsletters, because recommendation newsletters, you'll be able to stay on top of what else is, you know, what's trending, what shows are dropping. Hell yeah. Um, you know, you'll be able to see that 2022 is the year of the scam podcast. There are so many scam podcasts, and you can say, you know what? let's shelf our scam idea for 2024. Or you can lean into scams and say, here's why ours is different. And then podcast industry newsletters, you can you know, notice that James Cridland in Pod News is covering a lot about Spotify you know, doubling down on video, and maybe you should double down on video. So subscribe to all the newsletters. Go to Google and just type in podcast recommendation newsletters, podcast newsletters. Go to earbuds.audio, I don't know. <laughs> Pay those bills. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I don't, when, know. I don't know what's come over me. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I've experienced burnout, I've seen this um, connection that it is not the amount of work being put in. Mm. It's the work being put in misaligning with values. And it, so you can put a lot of work in, and when it's your values, you can really lean into it. And it's easy. It's extremely difficult when there's a lot of work being put in for something you just don't care about. And so I've seen this on the podcast side where we see shows that do start doing well, but they start to realize this isn't what I want to be doing. Is there any opportunity for pivoting or refocusing onto this is something that aligns my values with the work that I'm going to be creating? I definitely think so. I've had a few pivots, some forced, some done by choice over time. I mean, 15 years, nobody's interested in the same thing for that long, really. And my original, original show was about networking, and then it was about dating, and then it was about self-help, and then I got my ass fired from that one, and then I started the Jordan Harbinger show, which is interviews with brilliant people. And some, again, some of those pivots are forced, but you can easily turn your show into what, it's your show, you can do what you want with it, and it sounds like a dumb cliche, but I think a lot of people, they feel pigeonholed into something because they started the show as a show about whatever the original topic was, and they feel uh, locked into that or trapped by that. And I wouldn't necessarily say that if you have a show about, again, model trains, you should next day make it about swimming. That doesn't make any sense. But if you're doing a show, like the way I pivoted from the dating stuff was I went, 
well, I met this really interesting guy who's a criminal. I'm going to interview him, throw it in the feed. And people were like, that was weird, but I liked it. I kind of liked that. Maybe a little more of that. Not totally that, but a little more of that. And then I'd interview somebody whose book I read that I really liked but had nothing to do with dating. And people were like, actually, I'm, I'm digging this. You have a, the ability to do these kinds of interviews too. And then you put more and more in there. And then the show suddenly was not about dating at all anymore, which my business partners at the time did not love. But the audience was totally fine with it. And so now, having self-titled the show, I can do whatever I want. And that's a luxury to be in that place. I wouldn't necessarily recommend starting off as a generalist, but I think you can pivot. It's like turning a ship, though. You, you do it a little bit at a time. You'll lose some listeners who are only obsessed with the same topic that you originally started with, but that's okay. I feel like that's fine. Your audience should grow with you, and if you change and some of them drop you because of that, that's okay. That's what happens in real life too with your friends and your family. I mean, you're supposed to, maybe not your family. You're supposed to do that in most situations. And again, it's a hobby. If you're not enjoying it and you're locked into it, it's like a job. If, if somebody's working in a job and they're like, yeah, I just really hate it here. I mean, the advice is go leave and do something else. This is a thing that you own that's supposed to be enjoyable. So the, the same advice, of course, still applies. Wonderful. Yeah, I think that's really wonderful to think about ways that you can shift and the audience is changing, um, but that's okay because there's a new audience that's coming in. It's one that will serve you um, in keeping up your motivation. Uh, do we have any final words from the panelists before we go and we get a couple questions from the audience? Sign up for your, your newsletter? No. This, <laughs> you know, usually I hate self-promo, so I really I don't know what came over me here. Um, consistency, transparency, and seasonality are things that I talk about all the time. So being consistent is super important. Pick a day of the week that you're going to drop your episodes. Always drop it on that day of the week at a time. But transparency trumps consistency. So if you cannot drop it on that day of the week, just letting people know is super important. And Jordan said before, break it up into seasons if it's driving you nuts to have a weekly podcast. Um, you know, that way you can plan that you're only going to release six episodes and then you're going to take a break. Who cares if that break is way longer than the season ever was? Uh, if you make really great content and you have a really great audience who loves you, they're going to love those six episodes. Um, but I think Above all, transparency, letting people know every step of the way, over-communicate. All right, so we've got some time. Uh, we've got five minutes left for questions from the audience. I think uh, we have a microphone here. So just raise your hand, and we will get your question. Thank you. That was an awesome panel. Thank you, guys and ladies. Uh, on the other side of Podfade, so the podcasters, you may lose interest. What about if you're doing a lot of interviews? If you're going on and guesting on multiple shows and you're getting asked the same questions over and over again, how do you get, how do you stay motivated when you're, when you're in, a, in a, a season of interviewing on a lot of people's shows? Yeah. That's a wonderful question. The question was, if you are being interviewed on a number of shows, how do you stay motivated to keep answering the same question? Mm. That's such a good question. <laughs> Okay, so this is a little bit of a hack, but I'd recommend it. I give, I charge people to appear on their show and then I give the money to charity. So I get to make people put their money where their mouth is. I'm earning money at that point and I'm also not a dick for charging to be on someone's <laughs> podcast. So I get to give to charity, but I also feel like I'm not wasting my time even if the interviewer is like terrible. And, it's, and most of the time it's fine. So I'm always feeling motivated because I'm like, you know what, at the worst case scenario, this is going to buy school books for 
women and girls in Guatemala. So I can just focus on that instead of like the fact that I've answered this 4,000 times in the past five years. What's it like being a famous podcaster? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do we have another question? Uh, I'll answer that too. Um, I just play improv. Um, I, I, ans I asked this question on Twitter a while back. If you, you're, a, you're a podcast host, you're a founder, whatever it is, do you tell the same story every time somebody asks you what you do? Or do you try to try out a new phrase here and there? You know? So I just try to have fun with it, like tell a new part of the story. Uh, not a question, just an observation. Uh, Jordan, thank you again. Uh, what you said this morning, you said it again here, and it's really sinking in, so thank you very much. Good job by the panel. Uh, I learned a lot in this uh, session. Uh, I was pod, what do you call it? Pod, pod fade? fade? I was at pod fade. Uh, oh, we brought you back? Uh, not really. Uh, <laughs> me coming here, me coming here was like, you know, I put a lot, I invested a lot to start my podcast, you know, equipment, hardware, software. I invested a lot, and I was just to a point to where I was like, you know what? I've invested this. I'm just going to look at it as an investment into myself, better my people skills or whatever. And this morning um, in the session, I don't even know what it's called, but I asked a question. He said, just don't take it so seriously. Remember why you got into it. Treat it as a hobby. And then you further went on to say, treat it like a hobby until it's not. So that really resonated with me. And just want to thank you guys for that. Awesome. Hi guys. So my question is kind of going back to burnout. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on outsourcing? Because I know when I put too much on myself with editing, you know, researching, whatever, I get burnt out. So what do you guys do about like delegating or asking for help? Yeah, is there anybody who works with like brands and helps with any of that? <laughs> Outsourcing in terms of what, the, bringing in new talent for the show, or she, she just she's like editing, editing. editing. oh, and editing, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Evergreen's a little unique. We we handle all the all of that in house. We don't we don't outsource any of our production yet. We have been talking about it, but I'm just I we Evergreen early on set a standard internally for production quality, sound quality, and, and and we just wanted to keep that in-house and have our own quality control measures to keep that so we don't. We I don't think you mean... She might have meant, though, like, do you recommend outsourcing you. the editing because you feel oh, like you're doing right. a ton of work? Absolutely, yeah. yes. For the individual podcaster, of course, yes. Yeah, yeah I thanks do. Thanks for catching that. I, I outsource. Um, for a while, I was editing my own... Um, my podcast recommendation podcast, I was editing it myself, putting on the music myself. It took too long. I'm not that good at it. I didn't enjoy it. So I made the decision to pay somebody, and the podcast in and of itself doesn't necessarily make money, but these are things that I'm willing to do. Um, I have an amazing sound designer who, or a post-production engineer, he's amazing, let me know if you want his contact information, he's great. Um, but then I also recently hired somebody to help with my newsletter because it's too much. And you wanna keep doing the things that you love so that you're good at the things that you still love. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you everyone for being here. We really appreciate you coming to this panel. We're gonna let you go so that you can get to um, your next talks. But I know there are some questions that we missed, so we will all try to hang out on the side and we'd love to chat with you there. Um, thanks again for being here and thank you to Quill. Of course.